Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. What up, Dog Speak Geeks? I'm not alone today. Hello. <laughs> hey, y'all, it's Gray. And we are going to be talking about um, nothing. 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 That's the theme. That's the theme is nothing. Sometimes nothing is something. So uh, it's been a while since I've had you on here. That's a lazy motto. It is a lazy <laughs> motto, isn't it? Uh, but it is true, and it's something I think that we're all starting to realize how important it is through um, the dog world. However, I think today, what I really want to do is kind of put you in the spotlight, and I want to talk about what you've learned, how have you adjusted techniques this year, um, and it's really going to be good for me. You can almost see, this is, you guys are going to be set here in almost like a performance review here. I want to see what Gray has learned. Gosh. Uh, oh, because gosh. as most of you know, I have been out of pocket quite a bit this year. Um, and so poor Gray's been on his own, but he's been rocking it. And so uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about what he's been up to, what he's learned. And of course, what we mean when we say doing nothing is something. All right. So Gray, what have you learned this year? Nothing. I'm just kidding. Nothing. <laughs> nothing That's is, the theme. Nothing is something. No, um, well, I guess I should start. It really... Um, when I listened to your trauma series, that kind of set like kind of sent me down a rabbit hole as far as like obviously you know Jed doesn't have trauma to that extent. He still has some problems going on. That kind of sent me down the rabbit hole with him. Um, so tell everybody who Jed is. Jed is my dog, my Australian Shepherd that we got from a breeder that should not have been breeding. You know. I think we've seen a couple of his siblings. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll just tell you that, you know, I, they had to separate the pups from the mother because the mother was trying to eat them. So that's something's wrong there. There is something so um, wrong right there, the, genetically. Yeah. The dad, I think his name was Cotton, was the tallest Aussie I've ever seen. So, of course, my dog naturally is the tallest Aussie I've ever seen. Um, just some weird problems there. But I don't know. That, just trying to understand where he's coming from because. He and he's had some issues, and we've worked through a lot of things. And you know, honestly, recently he's been really, really good. But you know, it's come up all of a sudden. He's going back to attacking Obi when he gets stressed out. He's going back to going after Obi, and it's not just a snap; it's a snap shake, and he's not, you know, he's not quitting. So, so let's kind of let everybody know because we do have a lot of new listeners. Obi is your border collie. Mm -hmm. He's nine years old. He's nine. Jed is how old? Seven. Jed seven, so we had Obi first, and then you got Jed, and both of them you got at what six, seven, eight weeks? Uh, eight weeks, yeah. Okay, and so Jed and Obi, when they first started, was everything fine, or did uh, Jed kind of start showing some issues early on? 
Jed started showing issues early on. Obi was great with them. I actually corrected Obi for getting on the Jed, which I shouldn't have. I know better now. You've learned but a lot. Jed, yeah, he was already fighting with his litter mates because another mm-hmm. person at my kennel I was working at, or at the kennel I was working at, uh, adopted his brother. They could not get along. They were fighting hardcore. He was, what, 12 weeks old when we put him in daycare? Mm-hmm. And he was already fighting with other dogs. Um, he was, of course, biting my stepchild, which... That's an Aussie, right? He's biting oh, legs yeah, and stuff. That's, that's Aussie. Yep. But he also get in the middle of like fights and stuff. If we'd raise our voices, that kind of stuff, he's going to get in the middle and, you know, start start problems. And what do we do? We yell back, no. Uh-uh. So yep. part of it, I would say, is his upbringing, right? The kind of things he's been exposed to or not exposed to when he was young, my my doing. And then I think part of it is also his genetics. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's it sounds like his genetics are really have really kind of set him up for a rough go yeah to be with other dogs so i would say that just hearing all of that knowing that they have been that jed and obi have been together and you've not had significant issues it says a lot uh, about kind of where you've where you've been able to help yeah. with that so so they they when when did they have their first issue but you knew that we have a problem here. So they really never had issues until it was a, it was right when I was about to move into my house. I'm currently at now in Burns. Um, he's had issues. With my dad's dog first, Rummy. He started picking on Rummy first. Rummy has testicles. Rummy has the biggest testicles I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like y'all should take him to like Bentonville, Arkansas for the testicle festival. Come to testicle festival next and have year. a ball. And he would probably win. Yeah. He'd win for the largest. So I just talked up to you. Okay, you know he's jealous of his balls. I am. Let's be honest here. So, but see, guys, I told you he's just the male version of me. The problems with Jed, particularly in my other dog Obi, didn't really start until I'm in the house. The house I was in now, okay. and I, you know, I couldn't figure out what the trigger was. You know, sometimes of course it was him getting stressed out because people are here. You know, trash bins coming up. He's getting stressed out. Sometimes it's, um. You know, sometimes it's a loud pan or loud noise, whatever the case is. But, you know, ever since, I've never had that problem since. You know, people have come to the house over the past year and a half, maybe two years, and I've had no problems. Um, But every once in a while, I'd still have a fight. I couldn't figure out what the heck it was. Okay, well, I started keeping a journal. and (laughs) What? A journal? This is something I recommend clients to do, but I personally have never done myself. I did. I'll take that back. I did with Obi. I did do a journal with Obi, but it was something completely unrelated. But definitely keep a journal because, and you know, it, looking back now, it's obvious what the problem was. But when we live in our lives and we have our own stuff going on, we have, you know, it, it's kind of hard to find those patterns if you don't have something to look back at. Absolutely. And at don't first, ca- we can't count on our memories. Yeah. And at first I thought it was, oh, it's Storms. Storms is the reason why he's doing it. Okay. That's, that's a big reason why he does it. Oh, it's gunshots. Okay. So it's, another it's, stressor. It's both okay. of them. And the okay. biggest problem with it is they were getting stressed out when I didn't even realize they were getting stressed out. Because a lot of times there's gunshots and I don't even hear them. And I wouldn't realize it until I go outside and see them. But anyways, what I was getting at here, I haven't had a fight in a year now, I think. And I went, I think it's about a year, maybe eight months. And I've been working with him a lot. He's been doing, everything's great. But I went down to the bottom of my hill and shot Shot my new gun, get it, get it dialed in, and I was just so excited and everything. I came back up. I had not seen my dogs yet. I'd, I had a client, and I you know, was doing other things, and I got home, and I just went down the bottom hill and shot the gun. And came back inside, cleaned it, put it up. Still hadn't seen the dogs yet because they're in the other room. I then finally came into that room, turned my Xbox on. When I turned the Xbox on, Obi gets amped up, right, because Obi... He loves the loves Xbox, yep. watching video games. Okay. And then I get a phone call. So I'm on the <laughs> phone, in the room, talking to my friend. And then all, all of a sudden, quote unquote, mm-hmm. Jed attacks Obi. Well, okay. Oh, out of the blue. Yeah, out of the blue. Yep, out let's, of the blue, Let's think right? about that. Let's, let's talk about that. He sees me pull up. Yep. He gets amped up, obviously, because he's, he's excited when I get home. He sees me run to the bottom of the hill. He always gets amped up when he sees me run down there because like, what the heck's going on? He hears gunshots. So he's already probably 
you know, his cup probably already. I was going to say that over. cup is filling up so mm-hmm. quickly. Here's me comes comes inside. I'm rustling around doing different things. I come in the room, turn on the Xbox. Obi gets amped up. Yep. Then I'm talking on the phone. So it's just all you, these things. And all of those things. And when, if you guys are new listeners, we love to talk about when dogs are experiencing things, whether they're triggers or really more stressors, stressors are filling up your dog's cup. And at some point that cup is going to overflow. And that's typically when you see the explosion, keep in mind that every dog is going to be different on what those stressors are. But also you have to keep in mind that each stressor may fill up the cup differently. You coming into the driveway is a special kind of, you know, a filler for the cup because it's more it's an excitement fun thing mm-hmm. but then now you have gunshots well that's going to fill up the cup a lot faster because it's more stressful yeah so you have good stress will fill up a cup just as much as bad stress bad stress fills up the cup a lot faster than good stress but it still fills the cup up so you guys want to yeah. make sure you're aware of that um, and every dog's cup is going to be different in size and all those good things. So keep that in mind. All right. Yeah, and I think about it like if if I'm really, really excited about something, oh my gosh, what is that? I oh, think yeah. I'm more likely to be instantly afraid of something. Because yeah. the more excited you get, I feel like the more your guard's down. Oh, yeah. Right? I think you're you're much more open to what could happen. And it's like, and it's funny because I'm thinking about Halloween and like haunted houses. We go, Brits now has said she'll never go with me again. Um, I haven't made her go in like four years, but she said she's never going again. <laughs> but I think that when we go to a haunted house, when you're open to it, you're going to get more scared because you've allowed yourself to be open to it and yeah. and you're willing to kind of accept what you see. Whereas when we close ourselves up and getting into that more shutdown, things just don't you know, somebody jumping out, it may startle you for a second, but it's not anything that's going to be lasting because you don't have that door open enough to accept it. Yeah. And I think a lot of dogs do that where people think, well, my dog is, you know, thunderstorms happen. He's fine. He just lays in the floor. Was he laying in the floor because he's shut down and he's refusing to get up and move and walk into another room or take a treat or go out and potty? Obviously he's probably not going to go potty if he's got problems with thunderstorms, but Again, and that also goes to saying, okay, sometimes doing nothing is something, which is going to really come across the board for many different um, purposes for our talk today yeah. on what we mean with that, doing nothing. And so I'm going to, I'm getting into some rabbit holes. No, and that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing is that that's what I've, that's what he's been taught to expect is when we do something like that, when I do go shoot guns down there immediately after we are doing nothing, we're decompressing we're right playing ball we're, we're we're having some fun right just one so that he can get his mind off that but two so we can bond and do what he wants to do and if he wants to cuddle we can cuddle because he he's a bit when he gets scared like that he'll come and just he wants to be in your lap Aww. big 70 pound dog he's a sweet baby um so you know that's probably what he wanted and you didn't get it and yeah anyways but Getting back to kind of like what I've learned, you know, that's because, that's one mistake I made that I've learned from for sure. Well, that journal, but, that journal is it's yeah. it truly is important. So definitely learn from your my mistakes. Um, but another thing that you mentioned I think months ago is about puppy development, how we overstimulate puppies, how we are just constantly going, going, going. Yes, this again goes back into my dog Jed, but also with a lot of my clients, especially the ones with herding breeds. Um, and you I, have a lot of herding breeds right now. Yes, I do. And, um, you know, I, I just think, especially with things we read online, you know, you got to get your dog out. You got to see a hundred different people, hundred different faces, uh, used to different do environments, it. all these different sounds. And you know, I think and I'm guilty. I, I did all this too, especially with Jed, right? Is we make their world too big and it's like, we just overstimulate them and they not only expect that every time we go somewhere, but that, that becomes their norm, right? Yeah, we change their baseline. Yeah. So they, it's like we already start with a smaller cup. Yeah. Instead of allowing the brain to develop correctly in order to have the right size cup for them. And um, I've been a huge, huge 
advocate of get your puppy out, 300 people, do as much as you can, keep sessions short, but do as much as you can. And I've really changed my thought process over the last year or so on we need to back off of that. I feel like it, and this is weird, but I feel like it almost teaches the puppy at that age to be almost ADD. Like almost giving a kid a cell phone at a young age. I, but yeah. it's like, what's this? What's this? What's this? What's I this? feel like I did that with Myers. Oh, I did with Jed. But not going out. Yeah. But because I was good boying so much in the house, I kept him tuned in. Yeah. To a point where he didn't know how to relax. I really backed off a lot on my verbal markers throughout the day. I'm still easily 100, 150 times telling him good boy, but it's not like that 300 plus to where I was constantly, like every little thing was good boy. Yeah. I think I, sh- I shouldn't have done it as much. I think it's still important to acknowledge that good behavior, but I think also being at home, I'm looking at behaviors a lot more than if I had, if I'm out every day and my dog's crated, they're getting that quiet time. Yeah. So it's going to be dependent on your setup on, you know, if you work all day out of the home, when you come home, you still need to 100, 150 times telling your dog how good they are. If you are at home all day, yes, you are going to still be giving a couple of hundred, three hundreds, but they just need to be spread out much more than what I did. I was kind of almost constant and it kept him more of, where he wasn't settling. Now he's two today. Um, he is starting to settle a little bit more during the day on his own, good. which is good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where doing nothing is, is amazing. Yes. And where sometimes you just, instead of getting your dog out the crate and, you know, going and practicing skills, you just go out and sit and read a book with your dog yes. while you reward them by your side every once in a while, maybe. And, and so we, Talk about what how you've been using doing nothing with your clients outdoors because that's yeah. that is a really important place to where we need to go and do nothing with our dogs. Yeah, because you know, when do we ever put our dogs on leash and go outside and do nothing? We never do. Every time that dog, or sorry, every time that leash comes out, the dog knows something's happening. Mm-hmm. Whether we're going to the dog park, the vet, for a ride, whatever. So, you know, I like to make that leash not associated with necessarily excitement, but more of just. Yeah, I'm bringing you along with me, right? Yeah. We're doing something together. Yes. Um, and I think it's really important to have a balance of, of what you do. And I think it's so underrated, but it's more important to make sure you're spending time doing some stationary work. Yes. Going out, sitting on the front porch, maybe not during the most busy time of the day, but while people are walking by and stuff. Yeah. If your dog is having problems walking by people and other dogs, don't try to walk by them. Sit by, sit there and let people walk by first before you even try to do that. And that's kind of the baseline for a lot of my stuff I've been doing now. The leash walking stuff you taught me, I'll, before I do any leash walking now, is I'm doing stationary work. Yes. Same thing with the dog park. I'm doing stationary work before I even attempt to go out in there. And that that is, I mean, that's been a game changer with everything. Um, well, with the stationary and I, what I really like is it does decrease the arousal level of the dog. Yeah. And it limits how much um, how much information is being thrown at the dog. Yeah. Right? So if, if we're moving, we have new information coming at the dog every few steps. Yeah. Whereas if we're just stationary, we're allowing the dog just to take it in and being able to file it away before putting more in. Yeah. Right? Um, so you've been using it quite a bit with your herding breeds mm-hmm. because you deal with a lot of herding breeds. Yeah. Better you than me. Um, I love them, but whew, they're energetic. And to be, yeah, and to be clear, like we don't, obviously we can't, we don't want to, we're not attempting to try to take that herding instinct no. away, but more of, using that as a way to get them to earn that, you know, quote unquote hurting, uh, reward, right? Whether that's if sitting on the front porch for five minutes, uh, earns me a, you know, earns me a ball throw, I'm more willing to do that. Absolutely. Right? Um, I don't want to take it away, but I do want to drive that towards something different. I want to have a reward for doing nothing. Cause I think it's such a powerful thing to have, to be able to turn that on and off, to be able to have a dog that can get really, really amped up with the ball, but 
you know, a couple minutes later can calm down and learn how to relax. Because I know with Jed, that was very, 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 very hard to do. Because um, I was constantly telling him to do things. I was constantly, uh, constantly commanding him. And that's just adding more and more stuff to his cup. Yeah. Because then he's like, oh my God, now I have to deal with, listen to you and deal with what's in the environment. And I have to do this. And I don't know if I'm, doesn't sound like genetically he was, he's got the, <laughs> the ability to multitask like that. Not his fault. But um, yeah. So give us an example of with one of your clients where, because you were talking right before we started recording, you were telling me about a client to where you've used the doing nothing to earn something, whether it's for leash walking or just exposure. Yeah. Give us uh, give us an example. Well, um, I mean, I can think of a few different ones. In one, it can just be used to get to to say hi to the dog in general, right? So I remember just one in general. We I used it just to get just to get to the grass patch, right, to where. You know, as soon as we got the dog out of the door, the dog is pulling left, pulling right, trying to get the mulch, trying to get this, trying to get the stick. And rather than trying to change directions and do squirrel and do this and you know all this kind of stuff, we just sat. We just did nothing there for a minute. And of course, the dog sat there and pulled. And you know, it's very, very important I communicate. Hey, even though our dog is pulling on me right now, notice how I'm not yanking back. Notice how I'm not saying no. Notice I'm not giving any information for that. I want to be the rock in the relationship and help my dog understand that this isn't getting anything. And by you getting amped up, I'm not going to get any more amped up. I want my dog to almost match kind of my energy level. You know, not like stem, but you know what I mean? Right. And eventually after the dog started, you know, pawing the ground and biting the leash and being crazy, what, you know what a shepherd does, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Typical shepherd. Um, eventually, Still didn't pay attention to me. Still has not looked back at this point at all. Which me. we know that that means the dog is not ready for more information. Exactly. Or to follow direction. Right. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say, "Hey, look at me, touch." I'm not gonna do any of that kind of stuff. Good. And, no... Yeah. And here's the thing: is I wanted before. <laughs> and absolutely. And here's the thing: is we we want to have a balance between not allowing the dog to get frustrated. But also, we don't want to force the dog to stop and look at us. So many times people are doing that look at me command. Yes. And they're using a treat between their eyes and they're doing this. Here's my issue with this. Dogs giving you eye contact, dogs will do if they feel secure, safe, and you have a relationship. Sometimes it's not even appropriate then to ask a dog to give you eye contact. Eye contact should come naturally because it's not a natural behavior for dogs to give eye contact because it can be confrontational. So if we allow them to do it on their own, then that's giving us information that they're comfortable with us, but also that they're ready to get engaged unless, I mean, instead of me having a treat, them looking at me because the treat, now I'm falsely feeling like the dog is tuning into me. So I don't, I never ask a dog to give me eye contact. It's just, it's not, and I wish y'all would stop doing it. I know so many people do it. you can get it naturally on Uh, on your own. Yeah, dogs will give you eye contact to be like, hey, what are we doing? What's next? What's happening? But to ask a dog to look at you using a treat. I want to make sure they heard me. Right? (laughs) I get that a lot. (laughs) And that's, it's really not, um, it's one, I think it forces dogs to do something that could be aversive to them. And then it also almost, makes the food aversive i think it ruins the relationship a little bit too yeah so don't don't force oh, that here they go again they got, when we look at them oh um, i gotta i gotta look longingly in their right eyes yeah. yeah and i'm not supposed to be looking longingly in eyes because that's confrontational here they go. right demanding so, my affection, demanding my affection right but eventually so the, needy that dog eventually <laughs> just to give me a quick look back yep and good dog and of course the dog looked right back to where he was then eventually looked back again for a little bit longer uh-huh Came over to me, got the treat, then went right back, of course. But yep. then eventually, I'm having the dog almost turned completely away from whatever it was looking at. Just people walking around, whatever. Looked back at me and almost started offering me behaviors. Sit, lay down. Excellent. At that yeah. point, I know, okay, now we're ready to go to the next chapter. Yep. And that could just be, okay, let's play. Let's walk. Let's do this. So I'm I'm not going straight into leash walking is my point now. Good. Right? I, I'm yep. not just, let's go on a walk. Right? Yeah. Let's do squirrel. It's first thing and, I'm doing is make sure we get 
any sort of focus just on a leash outside. Yes. Uh, and I, it's funny that you mentioned squirrel because I've not talked about squirrel in quite some time because we don't use squirrel very right. often. And if I do, it's a very slow, yeah. like one little square. Yeah. But um, I do now mostly the same thing where we just stand. Yeah. And I wait for the dog to take in their environment, look back at me to let me know they're ready. And then we move to the next little thing. And yep. that's different based on whatever we're doing, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it teaches the dog that attention to you earns almost ultimately what they really want, exactly. which is to move forward, move away from what it is that they're doing towards something more fun, whatever the case may be. Um, sniffing. Mm-hmm. So having a sniffari after they look back at you um, is very rewarding for dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had mentioned, cause I had told Brett with Isabella to just stand somewhere where squirrels are because Isabella loves squirrels. She's gotten much better now, but she used to like, I, like, I feel like Brett needed the chiropractor like every other day Yeah. with the waist leash on Isabella for the squirrels. But she, I said, just start, just stand there, let her see the squirrels. And when she's not lunging, not pulling things of that nature and she just kind of even glances at you give her permission to chase the squirrel yeah if you're on a long leash and then she learns oh if i just wait a second exactly and do this i'll probably get what i want don't necessarily take it away but just kind of make it more of a thing you can earn later on yes like the squirrel thing exactly i don't want every time i'm walking the woods oh we chase the squirrel but if he looks back at me and i know he sees the squirrel i'll tell him go get it go get and it he, and he loves that game absolutely and that makes it to where it's almost like instead of him doing it on his own he'll look back to you for that permission and it's yep. a beautiful thing you know people say well but doesn't that teach a dog to chase squirrels yeah when i tell him uh, yeah because let's let's be real if you have a dog who loves to chase squirrels nobody had to teach them that to start with they're yeah. already doing it so you teaching them how to have access to it is not teaching them to do it. It's teaching them how to have access to do it. So therefore, you end up with more control over that behavior because mm-hmm. um, it's not going anywhere. It, it's the squirrels there. It's that prey drive is there, yeah. and, and we don't want to punish it out of the dog. That's taking away what the dog is yeah. and its innate uh, genetics. But teach them how to earn it. And those times that they don't get to earn it, it's not that big of a deal because. As we know, if a behavior is rewarded one out of a hundred, it's more than likely going to be repeated. Yep, at some point. Yeah. yeah. So and that then, doing nothing can earn you something. Yeah, and it, you know, and it, and it, you know, this kind of goes into everything we've been talking about, especially like doing nothing, and then you know, just you said something on a podcast with Amanda about you know you want to create a neutral. I guess a neutral zone for their environment, right? Yeah, making making things neutral in their in their environment. Yeah. So like I want to start making other humans neutral yeah. to my dog. And it's funny cuz when we were we went to Dr. North on Tuesday and um I'll talk another podcast about that because I think I want to have her on to talk about Meyer's case. But um the gosh where was I going with that? We took him Tuesday. I said I I was way starting and then I just kind of lost my track right there. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So, okay. We'll come back to that. Wait, I was going to say. Oh my <laughs> hope, God. Hopefully you remember it. I was going to say one thing I've learned from you. Uh, you know, I used to, when people come over to my house, I knew Joe was going to be afraid. I used to, Hey, see the person, see the person. Yep. When you see the person, you'll get a treat and yep. this and that. Now it's like, no, I don't need you to go see the person. I just need you to be comfortable in the environment. Yes. So now it's more of when people come over, Hey, you don't have to go see them. You can, you can have your room over here. You don't have to come out if you don't want to. You can do your thing. And that in itself has changed a lot of stuff with, you know, obviously it has nothing to do with Obi and Jeb, but with people coming to my house, I mean, I've had a lot of friends say, I've noticed a huge difference. Well, yeah, Jed. because you're not forcing Jed to do something that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, what I meant to say was with Myers, he did have a lot of people acknowledge his, you know, acknowledge him as a puppy, but because I didn't overly socialize when we were at Dr. Norris, she was sitting on the floor and, and he wasn't even coming over, like loving all over her, like he did with you. Yeah. <laughs> And she said, is he just standoffish, you know, or, you know, what is the case? And the thing is, is that he likes people, but it's not, oh my God, I have to see them now. If he, right. You're in the circle like you, right? But even with you, he'd 
it's going to take him like 45 seconds to be like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go do something else. Oh, yeah. um, but that's because I think I have made most people neutral. And so that when we're out and about, I am still the most important person. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to push for is, yeah, your dog can say hi to people, but I think we need to stop allowing strangers just to be all up in your dog's grill because mm-hmm. that a lot of times is going to make that make those strangers more rewarding based off just the number of times that they see people and get rewarded versus how many times they're with you and get rewarded. Yeah. You're not, you can't keep up with that. Yeah. And so, yeah, that neutrality is important. Yeah, because we lose that power every single time we go somewhere and they, anyway. And yep, I know. I'm telling you, we could have a whole conversation on that. Yeah. Yeah. So that does make a difference where you're not forcing Jed into doing something that he's uncomfortable with. Yeah. Doing, again, doing nothing is better than trying to, you know, putting him in a position to where I want him to say hi to people, but then it's stressing him out to where we might have yeah. a near miss or something like that. Yeah. Just right. letting him make some decisions on what he's comfortable with. And not putting him in a situation that's overwhelming. So many times our clients want a dog to be just what they're not. You know, it's like when we were raising our niece, I wanted her so bad to be an athlete. I so bad. I was an athlete. Um, I really wanted her to be an athlete. I really wanted to teach her. And I, she's not an athlete. And if I kept forcing that, I would have ruined that relationship. Yeah. When she came to me, and I know how hard it probably was for her, when she came to me the day she said she wanted to quit softball, <laughs> it hurt. But I also was like, you know what? It's okay. It's not. It's not for her. And she's she's smart. She is career oriented. She is a sophomore in college right now and kicking ass. And if I if I would have forced her into doing that, I would have ruined that relationship. And now, instead, she goes on vacation with us. We got matching tattoos, which is insane. Um, But I think it really does make a difference. If we stop forcing our dogs to be what we think we want them to be, which is is very detrimental to relationship. I think any relationship, honestly. I mean, we can definitely help our dogs become better. Right, you want Jed to be better at people coming over, but he doesn't need to go greet everyone like he is the Walmart greeter. Yeah, exactly. Right, because that's too yeah. overwhelming for him. Yeah, and it's and it's for me. I, I just think it's easy to forget kind of what your dog's needs are sometimes too, because they can't communicate them. No, uh, and sometimes they don't even know. Yeah. yeah. Right. How are they supposed to know what their needs are if we don't give them opportunities? So trial and error is something that you know we have to do. And that's okay. Just make sure that you're journaling those trial and errors, right? <laughs> journal what you've done. And um, and don't just journal on the day of the event. Journal every single day. Um, the good days too. Good days because those good days can give you as much information as those days where things are off. Because yeah. sometimes reactions that happen with dogs happen 72 hours after the stress was there. Yeah. The and dog is finally hit. That's something that... Yeah, when I, when I heard you, you talk about that, that's what got my brain going. Like, okay, this could be a lot more than I actually thought. Right. It's not just it's not just me turning the Xbox on and Jed. I mean, and Obi getting marked up. Yeah. That caused it. Mm-hmm. There were other things, mm-hmm. and that's what I think a lot of people don't realize. Because I do deal with a lot with intrapack aggression, um, dogs fighting in the household, and some are really really bad cases. Some are not too bad, and people are getting on it pretty quickly, but. When you have dogs that are forced to spend so much time together, they're forced to do everything together, they're forced to share everything, I think over time that's going to get very overwhelming. And we're not looking at them as individuals to say, okay, are you comfortable with this? Are you comfortable with that? Right? So I'm I'm lucky that Isabella and Myers both know how to go spend time apart from each other. And I meant to say that earlier. It was actually the first thing on my list. Because I, I told you in the text, I said, I understand now how important decompression truly is. Yeah. yeah. And and quiet time. Yes. And space. You know, and creating, um, you, know, you can call it a decompression zone. You can call it a spa room. You can call it chill the fuck out room. Whatever you want to call it. But your dog needs a place of their own. And even if they don't think they want it, 
that's where our upper management comes in and says, no, I know that you'd rather be up your sister's butt this whole time, but you can't. Um, I got a case like that now where, um, you know, it's only been a couple of altercations, but they've created serious injuries and um, they can still be in the same room together. Problem is they're left out during the day together. So no one's there to supervise any bully behavior. Nobody is helping one dog to have their own space. Yeah. One is just crowding because that's her secure attachment, not healthy. Yeah. Right. So I think that we, we tend to look at situations in that moment. And then once we start kind of thinking about all the things that pile on top of each other, we can definitely get a much clearer picture. Oh, and I mean, you even mentioned that. It's like, okay, I know Obi barks like that. Oh, look, of that. Hear Myers. I know Obi does that throughout the day because my cameras, I hear him on the cameras, this truck's passing by and stuff. Yep. Over time, don't you think Jed's like, oh my gosh, stop. Oh, you know, Jed's like, shut the fuck up, <laughs> that's man. That's just the one that's I'm like, okay, I'm done. I told you. I'm done, dude. That's <laughs> like, there's like so I'm many... on edge right now. Right. Right? Like, you won't shut up. Because I know when Myers is more barky and, and we, we, decreased his meds a little bit and then we uh, we increased them again because they were they you know he was doing that kind of alert barking constantly yeah but it's a different than there's just something there yeah. it's the wind blows um when he's on his meds and we got and everything's working smoothly he's much better with that i know that if i'm here all day and i'm hearing it several times you know maybe it's only one outburst every 45 minutes you give me three of those, I'm leaving this house on edge. I mean, yeah. so I can imagine, I can get away, right? The dogs and cats are stuck. Yeah. Now, one of the cats are like, can we go outside, please? Yeah. I just need to be out here away from this dog. So, yeah, I do think that uh, we need to, to give them their own space. They don't need to spend no. all time together. No. They just don't. I, I don't care how much, how close they are. Uh, I mean, Britt's my best friend, but she and I need time away from each other to do our own thing, to decompress, to get ourselves right. You know, so. Oh, I think it's funny when I take my dogs apart because they don't, they don't play at all. Like they never play. I mean, they like each other. They will cuddle and stuff, but like they won't play. But if I take them away for a couple of days and bring them back together, I'll see them out in the yard that day playing. They'll like play. That, I mean, that should be a testament to say that's, I mean, that, that makes a big like, difference. Like, I like you again. Time apart <laughs> makes a difference. Just like any it really couple, does. right? Any, Absolutely. Any good, healthy couple should Absolutely. have time apart. And have their own, their own things that they enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, what Myers loves to do is not necessarily what Isabella likes to do and vice versa. And we need to make sure we're not forcing them to share in each other's adventures. Yeah. Let's go kick the ball. One dog might like kicking the ball. The other dog might like chasing the other dog. And I've got that exactly. one oh. with several clients before. See, yeah. And so it's like, okay, if I'm chasing after a ball to bring back to my owner, I don't want another dog chasing me. That's going to yeah. cause some stress. Mm-hmm. And so then there's stress that builds up there. You have arousal that's kicked up there. Then resource guarding can happen. But maybe it's not even resource guarding over the ball. It's resource guarding over their own self. Bingo. Right? <laughs> so much. it's like... I just don't think that people think as much about when they have multiple dogs, how individual they are. Yeah. And that sometimes one of their dogs needs nothing to do. And another dog may need a little bit more, but then there's going to be a time that that dog who needs a little bit more is going to need nothing to do. And then the other one's going to need to do something. Yeah. It's like, I'll bring up this client. If you're listening, you know who you are. Border Collie, <laughs> Border Collie in the lab. Okay. They both love chasing ball, okay. but when they chase the ball together, so if, if they're both together and a ball is thrown, the lab's going, and then what do you think the border collie is doing? Oh, chasing, chasing the, lab. the lab. Right? So Got to herd that dog back. That becomes that becomes <laughs> part of the new game now, and uh-huh. you know, obviously we we, sh- we got to stop that, right? We got we to gotta give them both a different game. So yes. lab keep doing the lab game, but border collie needs some sort of other game, whether it's flirt pole, maybe even some sort of don't chase the ball until you've been released to chase the ball there i think both of them should probably have that and we worked through that and they both have their own individual game now and they're not obsessed over it good that anymore good i hope i'm talking while i'm gonna check in, check check in on check you in. that's right um but yeah the, I, we we can't fit them into a box and they got to have their time away from each other and that time away from each other could be their favorite game absolutely and maybe some cuddle time with you absolutely yeah so, i love that i get excited with stuff yeah so doing nothing <laughs> is something
whether it's doing nothing out and about, doing nothing in your front yard, your backyard, um, just sitting and watching the world go by. Grab you a chair, grab you a book, go enjoy some fall colors, take your dog a nice stuffed topple or lick mat and go sit in the park and just sit. And if you don't think that's hard for your dog, you're lying to yourself. That yeah. can be difficult for, for pups and older dogs too. That can be very difficult on some dogs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's teaching a lot. And, and when you're doing this, understand that when we're asking you to go do nothing with your dog, this means that the majority of the time you're not asking your dog for anything. You're not requesting a behavior. You're not asking them to pay attention to you. You're just hanging out. And if you see something you like, acknowledge it, right? Tell them that's good puppies. Um, you don't even have to do a, a, you know, I would still probably treat because there's not a huge reward just sitting there watching something like us watching TV or something of that nature, but still a reward, but I wouldn't be having um, any expectations unless I'm specifically working on decreasing my distance to an environment that can be stressful or triggering. You can bring them a nice bone if you want. Yeah, just kind of chill out. And it's when you brought that up because one of the things that we did uh, with one of our clients, you worked with a little bit as well, was where... um, Trying to get this dog some control around other dogs, uh, we had to start at a great distance. But the dog loved chewing on bones, so what we would do is we would just sit somewhere stationary and give the dog the bone. Yeah. And let the dog just chew, 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 and then when the dog was done chewing, we'd pick it up, we'd decrease our distance, we'd chew again. So a little bit of the opposite where I'm going to let you do something here to decompress yourself and get some of that frustration out. And then when you're done, you're telling me you're ready to move yeah. and we're moving. So it was a little different than that eye contact, but it's a, you sometimes just playing with it to see what is really going to be motivator yeah. to this dog to do this. But the bottom line is do nothing until the dog tells you they're ready to do something else. Now, I, I need to, because I thought about that, Dogs that are looking at their owner like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's right. go. What are you doing? Let's go. And they're looking at you and they're looking back and they're looking. When that head is moving and jerking around, they're not ready. No. <laughs> they're not ready. We're wanting a calm, okay, here's the environment, looking back at you like, okay, what's next? Yeah. Like it, almost if you were to ask for something, would they respond? Yes. Well, right. Yeah. If you could ask for something one time, like a simple, and y'all know how I hate the sit, but I'm going to use it because people teach it. If I just be like, all right, can you sit? And if they can sit without even moving or yeah. even looking back at me, okay, they're tuned in, ready to go. Yeah. But I will always wait until they engage with me on their own to give me the cue that they are ready for more information. Yeah. So doing nothing yeah, is you'll, something. You'll find the more you let them engage with you to get that reward, the less you'll have to force it. Right? Yeah. Unless you have to force them to interact with you or to look at you, I guess. Yeah, because they're going to know, oh, you got the you got the goods, you got the information, you got the control. But you're also not confrontational. But you're not confrontational it. about right. it. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do in this situation, mom. Can you help me? And That's what you want. That's where I went wrong a, a lot. With my, mm-hmm. and, you know, we all did it. I think personally, it's easy. I, you know, I can work with any client. Oh shit, yeah. But when it's your own dog, no, I'm like, man, it's so hard. No, I'm like, I think you need to be Myers trainer, and come over and let's talk about Myers behavior, um, and work through it. But um, it is, it's hard because you're inside of your home, and you think you know everything, right? So now you know how your your clients feel. We do have to kind of push clients to journal. And when, you know, when they stop journaling and we miss a few weeks, it can really throw a wrench in things. It can slow down the process for us. Because when I'm getting a journal from a client, I need to see that consistency. Am I seeing something pop up day in and day out that is, you know, causing these issues? Otherwise, I'm literally just throwing assumptions without any real basis other than the information that I'm given. But that information that's being given is from the human who lives with the dog in the home who also has 5 million other things going on. Do they know their dog better than me? Yes, but they're not going to obtain all the information that I'm going to need because they don't know it's important. And that's why that journal is so important. So we can look at it and be like, oh, okay. Um, and And that's one of the things that I did with Myers is to see how certain foods affected him. I would 
you know, I could write down, okay, he had beef for dinner, and then an hour later, he was at level 10. Well, okay, was it the beef, or was it that something happened yesterday that he's still reeling from? Well, I don't know if I didn't journal. Yeah. I'm just going to blame the beef. Yeah, but food, exactly. even food can take up 72 hours to cause a problem. Yeah. So maybe we should have called this journal, y'all. That should have been the <laughs> journal, y'all. <laughs> you got to keep a journal. And I know people are asking, well, what do we put in the journal? I typically like, um, I like to put the stress level of the household because I think that affects everything, especially if you have kids. Is everyone home? Or is everyone who's normally there home? Yeah. I think that... Everyone that's normally there. Like yeah. the home environment, yeah. right? What's the home environment stress? Like I could be in a really good mood, but if Brit's in a really bad mood, then our stress level may be medium, mm-hmm. right? Because they have to... They both are involved. My high energy will help to bring up her low energy, but her low energy is going to bring down my high energy. So if we look at the stress levels of the household, the environment, also the stress levels of the environment of your neighborhood. Like I've had, um, we've had a lot of work across the street being done. That is going to add in to the stress level of my dogs, especially if I have one who looks out the window and barks at things all day. I like to write down the stress level of the dog when they woke up to how they did after their enrichment, after their feeding, uh, what activities were done for enrichment, what activities were throughout the day, was there anything weird, whatever. We write these things down and it's really gonna give us a much clearer picture of what's going on um, with our dogs. And then when you are doing nothing as something, keep them short. Yeah. Keep And make sure that you're not in a situation to where the dog can't settle down. If it's taking the dog more than five minutes to finally settle down and look at you and I'm being, that's a lot of time. Um, I might have to increase my distance from whatever it is I'm looking at. Yeah, something is yeah. causing the dog to be over. Two to three minutes, yeah. ideally, I would like to see a dog look back at me. Yeah. And be like, okay, I'm ready to engage. Yeah. But again, some dogs are slower to process things. Um, you may see over time that your dog will actually uh, be much faster and be able to process faster because we're training the brain to do so. So, you know, it's again, every case is going to be a little different, but just know that in pretty much all scenarios, doing nothing is something. Yeah. And almost everything that we do. Extremely underrated too. So <laughs> underrated. People are like, well, uh, you know, I, I drill our commands every day for 30 minutes. Well, that's great, but number one, it's boring. It's not really doing you any good. Not realistic. It's not realistic. The dog is not going to be responsive when you're out and about because you're basically saying, in this box, this yeah. is what we do, and it's the only time you do it. Yeah. It doesn't transfer. So I tell people, stop drilling commands. Do nothing. Hang out with your dog. Acknowledge good behavior. Right. Give your dog enrichment. Meet their needs. And really get to know your dog as an individual and not what you think they should be. And not what you think that they should like or enjoy or do. Really get to know your dog as an individual. And that can also help by journaling. You can learn a lot by journaling that too. Yeah. Yeah. Have you learned anything else? I mean, countless other things too. I mean, I don't know what else to mention though. A ton of other things. (laughs) I don't know really what else to mention. Um, You know, it's funny because... You said I learned from, you know, that that was a mistake I made once I kind of started keeping a journal and things. You'll find that one of the greatest ways that we learn as dog trainers is we fuck up. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've done things where I'm like, well, that was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. Or, okay, I did that and that caused a behavior that I didn't expect and didn't want. So I need to adjust. Or I wasn't on my game that day. It's exactly dogs learn too. Absolutely. Dogs are, I mean, we all have that. And that's why we have to make sure we give ourselves some grace and some patience because we're all just trying to figure out this stuff day in and day out. It's just the way it goes. Um, so I will, so that to kind of wrap this up, doing nothing is really very handy. And allows the dog a little bit more control over how they handle an environment. So if you're, you know, 
you can get an idea if your dog wants to engage or disengage. If you watch your dog, sometimes if you're sitting there watching dogs at at a dog park and you're sitting on the outside with your dog, your dog may not even want to look at those dogs, may start sniffing and going away from them. That immediately tells me that dog has no interest in going forward to see those dogs. Yeah. So let's not make the dog go see those dogs. Mm-hmm. Take your cue from your dog on what you need to be doing. And just slow things down. Yeah, slow, slow it down. down. But no, there's nothing that needs to be done quickly. Your dog is constantly learning. You're constantly learning. Uh, you know, development's happening based on your dog's age. Uh, based on your age, right? We still are constantly learning. Um, good news is we have a lot of fun things coming up in 2024. We're going to be doing more online content. Yep. Um, I am working on the relationship, not dictatorship um, course. Gray is going to be working on a leash manners and also a six-week puppy course. So all this will be online. You need a fun title like yours. And you do need a fun title, <laughs> so you need to work on that. Submit your title ideas. Yes, definitely. (laughs) And if you have ideas of what you would like to see as an online content, what you would like, also continue to send in any information on our new monthly memberships, what you would like to see um, as part of our monthly memberships on our tiers. We have so many things that we are working on for 2024, and we're excited and hope to see you guys soon. And don't forget, it is Christmas time. There's a dog speak geek in your life that needs our products. Um, and when I say products, it needs our shirts to wear and support us. Um, mugs, coffee mugs, um, tumblers, uh, stainless steel bottle holders. We have all that stuff. Check out the website um, and um, buy, buy, buy. And, you know, buy somebody the online communication seminar for Christmas. That's a great thing to do, too. We offer gift certificates and discount codes and stuff. We can send you those things. Um, and of course, don't forget, we do offer Zoom consults. So if you want to meet with me for behavior issues, meet with Gray for some behavior issues or some manners, even our puppy or cooperative care, Alicia is, is available as well. So uh, we just got a lot of fun things happening. Um, you got Sorry. anything to add? Are you excited? You just thrilled? Can't follow um, that. All right. Well, <laughs> before we finish, we have to wrap up because I know everybody's wondering, how's married life treating you, Gray? It's just fine. It's doesn't just go, fine. It doesn't feel any different. He said it doesn't feel any different. <laughs> um, it's so weird to see a, a gold wedding ring on your finger uh, sitting across from me. <laughs> um, but I'm happy for you. And I'm so glad things are going so great. So 2024 is going to kick ass. Yep. I'm just really excited. All right, guys. So that is what we have this week. Get out there and do nothing with your dog because I promise you it is something. And if you have any questions, reach out to us. Um, we'd love to hear from you as always. All right. You guys have a great rest of the week.